We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Charles Newington, National Director of Family Voice Australia, is back with us. Hello, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Hello, Neil. Nice to be back. Charles, there's so many issues that are worthy of comment, and we might try and get through as many as we can today, but perhaps uh, let's start with the very, very significant national apology to the victims of sexual abuse in institutions this week. Uh, What have your reflections been so far as uh, Scott Morrison and the apology to those Australians? Uh, Thank you, Neil. It's helpful uh, for me to remember that it, he was doing it on behalf of the nation and not, not just uh, as a personal apology. And some of the questions, you know, here there was a committee that spoke to various people who had been victims of this abuse and over 300 of them, and together they put together the kind of components of what the apology should con- include. And uh, he started with these powerful questions. Why weren't our children loved and protected? Why were other things more important than this? And these questions do get to the heart of the matter. And why weren't they? And, um, you know, I've I've tried to answer that by saying that that this was happening at a time in Western civilization when children were still thought of as um, to be seen but not heard, you know, not to be spoiled spoiled or doted upon because uh, uh, there was still the notion that a childhood disease might snatch them away and leave people with an unlivable grief. And so... People tended not to, to be sentimental about children um, or, or even as seriously protective as we have become. Uh, but for whatever the reasons, uh, the national apology certainly comes to hold us all to account, doesn't it, that uh, children must be loved and protected. And Charles, your thoughts about the idea that this national apology, uh, because sometimes we can say, well, a lovely speech, what does it all mean? But the idea of it being a watershed moment for Australia because of the acknowledgement of the idea of moral responsibility and who takes that. What are your thoughts? Yes, well, it's not often in, in today's society that you hear the word moral responsibility, is it? No, a rarity. Yes, but but everybody recognised that this is this is an act of moral responsibility. That um, that the perpetrators, um, you know, this this issue was um, it, it was it was it was an owning of our corporate responsibility for something that was really a really um, predatory and inhuman, merciless um, a, a series of events. And uh, and so there was no other word, but this was a moral failure on our part as a nation. And uh, I noticed that the Prime Minister was particularly moved when he spoke about the role of the, the church in this and used that language of the shield of faith that is to be used to protect us, was not used to protect the children, but rather to hide the, provi- hide the crimes against them. And, and his anger was, you know, palpable at that point. And... And it's a fact that the church is held to a higher standard and should be. It's a part of the responsibility of, uh, of being people of faith. Good thoughts, Charles. Perhaps a, a quick thought or two as the dust has now begun to settle on the Wentworth by-election. Uh, major upset there. A uh, lot of internal soul-searching happening within the Liberal Party. Uh, what were your thoughts for the outcome of the Wentworth by-election? 
Well, there was uh, a lot of uh, anger and vengefulness in 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 the in the in the polling booths, wasn't there? And I think that Paul Kelly uh, wrote, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, and used language like the rising tribalism of Australian politics, and that the coalition parties are dividing uh, down tribal lines because, uh, and that's happening because the electorate is polarising. And uh, I, it's just worth quoting. He said that the coalition the, uh, is the coalition, the party of renewables or coal, the party of gay rights or religious freedoms, the party for or against the national energy guarantee, the party for border protection or for refugee compassion, high or low immigration, energy, price controls or climate change, diversity or cultural tradition, free markets or government intervention. You know, and he, he just... I think he really he really sort of summed it up that that this polarization is happening, uh, of course, across society in general, but uh, but it's being really felt now in in all the parties, but more so in the conservative side than in, uh, on the Labour side, because the Labour side has been for a long time a kind of a conglomeration or a collection of lobby groups that haven't necessarily all been on the same page, but Labour's been willing to sort of collect a whole group of people that have got a lot of different agendas together and, and, um, and sort of go into bat for the whole lot type thing, whereas that's not necessarily been the case in the conservative side of politics. So core beliefs, things people feel strongly about and reflect this rise of, this rise of tribalism, they're starting to destroy the ability of, of parties to hold together. And um, if I could just press on, he, he quotes uh, Francis Fukuyama, who writes about this identity politics in which people identify with a group based on something like gender at the expense of the majority outside their group. So they will defend their particularity, their individual identity issue against the majority. And, um, and in this particular case, the right to, you know, the right to be a particular gender is, is their diversity, and it's it's seen as a social virtue. And everybody says, yes, you know, you, you have a right to do that. But he just then makes this great statement: you cannot build national identity on diversity. <laughs> you have, you know, there must be something that unifies us, and diversity doesn't unify us. It actually emphasises all our differences. Great so, thoughts, Charles. And yeah. look, I wonder whether, uh, just to top off this part of our conversation, because when we talk about the ways that there is some level now of demarcation between the progressives and the yeah. conservatives, and uh, you know, perhaps there was much more of a grey area before, but as you say, as Paul Kelly writes, uh, you know, uh, I don't know whether he's talking about a descent into tribalism, but they're actually might be a, a very positive effect of that because there's always been people who are progressive there's always been people who are conservative but now it's a little more obvious who's who and that actually may be a positive thing do you think well i do think we have to learn to manage uh, this kind of difference in a more positive way and see it as something that means we are, say, the, the Liberals, are a party broad enough to keep those two ends together. At the moment, all the language is adversarial, and, and that's, uh, that's what comes up a, a little bit later in, uh, in, in, in my sort of, you know, browsings on this, uh, this um, article by uh, ACL, can, uh, their work on, on um, uh, their calling out of, Project Rocket, uh, which is a kind of an anti-online bullying campaign that's targeted at school-aged children. And 
And what what this identifies is the fact that the, the, the group posted in July, you know, on, on social media, that they were advocating for the dismantling of white forward slash cis forward slash hetero forward slash dem, uh, patriarchal supremacy and normativity. normativity. And, and I think that what this language is saying to us is it's sort of, it's characterizing quite an adversarial divide um, in society. And it seems like the extremes are getting more heated and, 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 uh, and it's not a kind of a civil conversation. Uh, okay. Anymore. So extremes are more divided, uh, perhaps a positive in some level of demarcation because it helps us understand what's going on. But with the adversarial language being used, doesn't make it any more comfortable it and uh, and no. difficulties perhaps ahead and uh, courage to be able to stand for what you believe in the times ahead as well. You yeah, know, it was very uh, calm heads. We need very calm heads, uh, and um, you know, I think there is a need for a kind of a great deal of social responsibility in how we communicate. And I don't just mean to politicians, but I mean everybody who's talking for their particular diverse interest. It, it, it's got to calm down. Otherwise, we're, you know, I'm, I make the observation that really if this trend continues, what we're seeing is uh, we're seeing what one of the effects of globalization and the intents of globalization is the deconstruction of the national state. And uh, and and that's that's an agenda. It's not just a, a, a it's not just a drift. Okay, it's an agenda, and um, and I think we need to be mindful of that. Uh, very significant thoughts, and interestingly, to talk about divides uh, somehow or other, and we have these sorts of contextual conversations uh, from time to time, uh, the idea of where we as Christians sit in the whole argument, and something yeah. like that comes to the fore with the Sydney Anglican Synod yeah. and their decision on Monday night, which voted in favour of a policy that will... Uh, make lots of different rules, but one of those, preventing same-sex marriages, parties or events that might advocate expressions of human sexuality contrary to their church doctrine of marriage, these sorts of things now becoming law, and you can't do that on Anglican church property. And so you have the church forced into a position where it says we have to define what our doctrine is and we have to be courageous enough to stand by that. Uh, What are your thoughts on that development from the Sydney Anglicans? Well, I think it's an example of um, of the benefit of size. You know that size matters in politics, and uh, I think that um, um, this this era is forcing people to take positions that are more extreme than they really want to take. You know, that's been the language about schools and how they're managing gay students, etc. You know, that in most Christian schools they're managing that in a very sane manner. But the politics is so amplifying the issue that it's making public conversation uh, very difficult and very emotive. And and here's a case in point where uh, the church says, well, unfortunately, we can't take a kind of a polite, discreet and easy, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, approach to this. We've, we've got to draw a line in the sand. And so they draw the line in the sand and it, it, it kind of, it just kind of, it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy type thing, you know. It kind of uh, reinforces the great divide. Uh, there are no bridges across this gulf. You know? and, and of course, and, uh, in some ways, I think it's it's necessary because if, if it's necessary to have that, because if if it wasn't happening, 
the, the steamroller, you know, uh, of, um, of of the other agenda, which is sort of just keep trucking. So somebody's got to put, uh, you know, something across the road. Uh, well, significant because the Sydney Anglicans, and uh, I must say, uh, as I understand it, uh, there are some significant differences uh, in what other Anglicans uh, in different states uh, may be uh, taking positions on this, but the yeah. Sydney Anglicans certainly courageous enough to say, we'll draw a line in the sand, yeah. even if we're going to be criticised, uh, we'll, we'll tell you what we think because uh, this is actually a prevention uh, tool uh, to uh, head off at the pass what is likely the possibility of uh, all sorts of action when it comes to uh, anti-discrimination uh, rulings and uh, and so it seems to me there's a sort of uh, closing a, a door here which uh, could have left them open to all sorts of attacks so it may actually be something that will be reflected on as being a very wise move yes. what are your thoughts Charles? Yes I do think it I think it's um, it's unfortunately um, it's imposed upon them that they take a strong stand, and I'm thankful for it. And it's going to make it easier, um, uh, harder, but then easier for the nation to realise that there is a strong conservative position. That's a position of faith. It's not just us uh, or them being recalcitrant and uh, you know and obstruct obstructive of progress. It's something they really believe. And I think that's helpful. I, I, there was some time ago in the in, in the you know in American politics, um, American politics had got to the state where you know if somebody was on Trump's um, uh, in, in a team or something like that, and they went to a restaurant, it would be picketed, and 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 people had no private lives. The politics had become so intrusive and so um, so uh, kind of all pervasive. And uh, I think that hopefully. Australians have got more sense than that and they'll say, hang on a minute, we can't keep going down this road. We've got to learn how to have a conversation about what's important to us in a way that's not quite so adversarial and divisive. And uh, and if you say, you know, I think that's one of the great roles of the church, one of the great roles is blessed are the peacemakers, that for us to find a way in this, in this conversation to speak uh, about people of a different view respectfully and to, and to keep the conversation as respectful as we possibly can. Well, Charles Newington, always appreciate your words of wisdom because uh, helping us navigate where we stand as Christians on so many of these different issues that are impacting and shaping our culture as a nation here in Australia, uh, really great insights and uh, thank you so much once again. Let me point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. You can check out some of their resources and the latest articles that they might have posted on that website. Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, thanks so much for taking time to share your thoughts with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.